it's this, it's this fascinating contradiction. We've got to be true to who we are, to our experience, to our perspective, our talents, our values in order to serve the whole. Yeah. The whole community, the whole human evolution. I'm Sonia Statman, and you're listening to Women in the Business Arena. Over the last 20 years, I've had the honor of working with thousands of women in business. During that time, I have been obsessed with finding a new way to operate business, one that eliminates hustle, supports ease, aligns with our values, and gives us a sustainable pathway to change the world. This podcast shares with you some of the lessons I've learned along the way. The conversations we have here are intimate, honest, and enlightening. It's like hanging out with friends who also happen to be pretty amazing business owners. Here we challenge what the world says business has to be to trailblaze a path of our own. Are you ready? Here we go. Hi, and welcome back to Women in the Business Arena. I'm so excited to continue this journey that we have this season of really busting business myths so that more women can succeed. And I feel really honored for today's guest. Her name is Natalie Miller, and she is an amazing mindset coach, woman, activist, like I could go on and on and on, but I'll let Natalie introduce herself as well. And she's going to really help me bust the myth that you have to be an expert to succeed in your business. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy for you to be here as well. And would you like to share a little bit about what you do so that our listeners can know how amazing you actually are? Oh, thank you. Well, I am a feminist life and leadership coach. So I really just help women trust themselves. I love (laughs) that. (laughs) To put it very simply, it's like, I help you trust yourself to do what you want. I help you trust yourself to live how you want to live. I help you trust yourself to build what you want to build and do what you want to do. I love that. It's so important. That trust factor is so key to success, no matter what it is you want to create in your life. If you can build that trust in yourself, everything shifts and changes. So thank you. That's beautiful. So what do you think about this idea, this business myth that you have to be an expert to succeed in your business? So, you know, I always ask first and foremost, and that's really what I do more than anything is ask questions. An expert to whom and in what? (laughs) Who decides who's an expert? That's kind of my first question. Yes, I agree. And I think, you know, this, this is such about a perception issue. I actually love talking about perception, right? Because the way we perceive things really changes how we believe in ourselves or how we believe in other things or what we do and what we don't do. And that perception is key. And so, yeah, whose perception determines who's an expert. Now, I would say that in the way the world is now, especially the business world, the patriarchy determines Mm -hmm. who's an expert, right? Yeah. Yes. The white dominant, cisgendered, patriarchal. Yes. Those are the, it's like the, the systems and structures that are in power. They are determining who's an expert. Yes, absolutely. 
Yes. And I think, you know, and so I know that my clients and in my experience, they're really turned off by experts. I'm turned off by experts, right? I don't actually want to hire an expert because there's this idea, there's this kind of underlying belief that an expert knows more than me, an expert is better than me, that somehow I'm less than you know, and I need someone who knows more, right? And I think just that whole power dynamic does not set up wisdom and growth and joy and alignment. It sets up something else entirely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sets up dependence, right? (laughs) Yes. It sets up dependence is what it sets up. So if you're the expert and you know everything, And I'm, well, I don't even know who I am. I'm your follower. I'm your, I'm your disciple. I don't, I don't know who I am in this mode. Um, Yeah. I think, I think there are, there's definitely a way to look at it that sort of says, yeah, so I, I won't know anything. You know, when we were, when you were talking about this kind of myth of the expert, I took a moment to look at the etymology of the word expert. Mm. I always love to go back and sort of see like, what is this word actually too? And etymologically expert is related to trying. So there's like two kind of things, right? Expertise Mm. and experiment. Ooh, I love that. I love that too, because I think when we think of expert, we, we do think of expertise, right? Yeah. Someone who's been there, done that, knows the ins and outs, right? right. I don't think we really think about the, the other side of that, which is like, how do you know the ins and outs? You do it. You do right. the thing. How do you become an expert at, let's say, leading a company or writing a book? You do it. That's right. <laughs> Right. You experience it. You experiment with it. You see what works. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I think that is such a brilliant lead into to this idea that how can anyone tell us exactly how to do something and it be still aligned with who we are? Right. This is what I see in business. So often I went into business groups and business programs and I hire business coaches. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on things related to business people and experts who would tell me how to run my business, but none of it felt right. Right. None of it worked for me. None of it allowed me to create what I really want because it wasn't aligned with me. It wasn't what I needed to experiment with or experience for what's right for me. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I think that, you know, each of us is an expert in our own lives. Yes. Like there is no one else who is the expert of your life. It's you. You're the expert of your life. And so when someone else comes in and says anything, right? Like, here's how to keep your home, but you don't know my home. You don't know who lives here. You don't know, you don't know the tendencies. You don't, you don't know the challenges, right? I know them because I'm an expert, but, but you, you might be an expert in, let's say homekeeping, but you don't really know my life exactly. Right. So I think, yeah, that's so, um, and that's so common too, right. That, um, when we hear about coaching a lot, Really what people mean by coaching is consulting. Yes. They're not actually interested in coaching you. They're interested in telling you what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 
And so you go to work with an expert because they're going to tell you what to do. Right. And I think as you're sort of, as you're sort of illuminating here, um, that won't work if it doesn't align with your own situation, your own desires, your own truth. It just won't work because there's an, a, a very important part, a crucial part of expertise missing. And that's you. That's, that's yours. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's so interesting how rampant this idea is in the business world, right? In, in, in a lot of areas, right? Not just the business world, but this rampant idea that somehow we aren't good enough because we don't have enough expertise, even if we've had decades, right, doing what we do. There's mm-hmm. still this fear, especially for women, that's what I see a lot in women in particular, that we still don't have enough, right? We still don't have, uh, we still got to get more certifications, more proof, more education, more learning, Mm -hmm. more something, something more (laughs) to Mm -hmm. prove that we have what it takes to help someone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and again, it comes around to like, who decides what counts, right? So you could have someone who's being a project manager at Microsoft for a decade. Then you could have another person who's been running a household with three children for a decade. Whose project managing experience counts? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Whose experience counts? Yeah. Look, I'm going to go hands down for the person at home (laughs) with the three kids, right? Yeah. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, does that, what kinds of expertise do you get in that situation? Time management, team management, like what kinds of expertise do you get? Prioritization of, you know, like, like um, resources and how you're going to be able to, you know, do two things at the same time. You will learn how to do all of that if you are keeping a home with three children in it. Right. Um, Oh my God. But does it count, right? Does it count? Who decides whether or not it counts? Right. And I think that is the question, right? Like that is what I feel a lot of people are sitting in. Mm. You know, they've got all this amazing life experience. They've got work experience. They've got family experience. They've got emotional integration experience, right? Things that they have actually gone through and integrated in their own lives and yet they devalue it and they feel like the world devalues it and they're worried that their, their potential clients will devalue it. Mm-hmm. So how do we start to navigate ourselves out of that place? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing to understand is that the world does devalue it, yeah. <laughs> right? So yep. let's not pretend that we're making that up. Nope. We're not making that up. We're not making that up. If I went to apply for a job and I said, well, I haven't been, I haven't been working in a company for many years, but I have been keeping a home and, and running the schedules of three children automatically people are not going to be like, oh yeah, that's excellent project management experience. Like, no, we, we devalue that all the time. (laughs) Have you, have you ever heard my Brady Bunch story? Um, Oh gosh. Okay. So once upon a time I was sitting watching um, the Brady Bunch with my, with my little feminist kids, maybe, maybe my eight-year-old and Mrs. Brady walked into the kitchen and sat down at the table and Alice said, oh, can I get you a cup of coffee, Mrs. Brady? And 
I said, what does Mrs. Brady even do? (laughs) And my little eight-year-old feminist daughter said, mom, she has a house and six kids. She's probably really busy. And I was (laughs) like, oh, yes, I devalued I devalued her role, right? Because I've been taught to devalue her role. So that's, I think the first place is to sort of say, absolutely, this is a devaluation that happens. It makes sense that I would do it and it makes sense that other people would do it. But when I point it out, I get to shift it, right? So when I point it out to myself, when I point it out to others, when I talk about it, like you and I are talking about it here, I think that is absolutely essential in beginning to, in beginning to shift it. I love that. And I I talk so often about how powerful awareness is, right? How powerful it is just to bring things into the light as we talk about them, as we notice them, as we look at them, you know, and, and so often I have people, you know, in my groups or in my, in my clients who will be like, now, what do I do with it? I'm like, no, that's it. <laughs> it's just like, just talk about it, be aware of it, bring it to the light. Like that is a superpower. But so often we devalue that as well. We do. And you are so right. When we start to see the world in a different way, our brains can interact with the world in a different way, right? Yes. When I say, oh, this is actually conditioning. This isn't, this isn't essentially true. Right. This is conditioning, right? Right. When I see it as such, I won't have the same response to it. My feelings and my actions, I won't respond in the same way. It really is. It really is magical. It is lifting veils. Yes. And I think that right there is also a really important question because is it conditioning what we experience, right? Beliefs that we have, fears that come up, doubts that we have in ourselves. Is it conditioning or is it an essential truth? Like, Sometimes we don't even stop to sit back and ask ourselves that. And yet that is such an important question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is what I personally love about coaching actually, and not, not pseudo coaching, which is actually consulting, (laughs) but coaching where someone, where someone invites you to look at that belief differently. Where did it come from? Where did you get this idea? What's your proof for it? if you were going to argue against it, like what's your argument against it, right? Like there are a lot of ways that we can in, I was going to say interrogate, but I don't even think it has to be that aggressive. There are a lot of ways that we can explore and we can look at something from many different sides so that then we can decide how we want to think and feel about it. Yes. And it requires that space that we have to give ourselves Mm. to stop and explore, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely, absolutely. Which is challenging in a world that is always telling you you, there's more to do and there's not enough time. (laughs) Yeah, right? I always feel like I've been swimming upstream, you know, And, and some of my clients talk about that as well. It's like, you know, when we're creating ease, when we're creating space, 
when we're doing, you know, the internal work, when we're asking ourselves the, the, you know, important questions, oftentimes it feels like we're swimming upstream because the whole world is just like, move, move, do, do, don't think, do, don't, don't question, do, don't contemplate what's, you know, conditioning, just go along, go along. And so sometimes it can be really challenging, you know, to take that pathway of stopping and feeling and contemplating and thinking for ourselves. And yet it produces so much richness. Mm -hmm. And you know, what is so fascinating to me as you were talking about that experience, the, so the world wants you to do and move and go and it's swimming upstream to rest, (laughs) to contemplate, to reflect, to take time. Right. Yeah. It's, and you know, we tell ourselves this is indulgent, this is lazy, this is, um, you know, what's wrong with me that I need so much like, you know, self-care and time and vacation and all of those things. And it's like, wow, (laughs) like, that's a real, thank you, patriarchy. That's a really good one that you (laughs) demonized my ability to rest. So that like, I feel like when I'm not doing what you say, I'm also, I'm, 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 I'm wrong and bad. And, you know, yes. Yeah. There's something wrong with me. (laughs) Exactly. It took me so long to allow myself the space I really need. And I need a lot of space. Like I judged it. I made myself wrong. I shamed myself. I was like, something must be wrong with me that I need all this extra time, you know, but I can't function at my optimal level unless I have a lot of space and contemplation and consideration and reflection. And, you know, and, and when I finally allowed that, that really transformed everything in my life, in my business, in my relationships, in my family, but it took a long time to get there. (laughs) Can I say, I really loved, there was a little caveat phrase that you said in there that was so important where you said, I can't function at my optimal level because I think that you actually can function without rest. Yes you'll drive yourself into illness or misery, but you can, we can do it. We can do it. But to sort of say like, no, actually, I don't just want to like show up. I want to show up at at my optimal level. I want to show up as an amazing partner and friend and like support for my clients. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I love that. I still do it. I, if I'm very honest with you, um, and you know, this is something that this is something I learned from Gretchen Rubin that I I have to remind myself all the time, the more I ask from myself, the more I have to give to myself. So this is the thing, right? Is that, so I rest up and then I go next level, meaning (laughs) there are more visibility, more clients, um, uh, like, you know, a higher level, um, involvement in organizations or projects. Okay, great. Now you need even more rest. And I'm like, what even more rest. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I need to give myself even more if I want to sustain that. 
when I give myself even more, I'm capable of even more. So that cycle just continues, right? Yeah. It's not like it's ever, um, we're never finished with that. I don't think. I don't think so either. I completely agree. I love that. It's a really beautiful um, visualization. Like I can feel the, the more and more Mm -hmm. that it requires. And yeah, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. That it requires and that it enables, right? So both of those things, yes. right? I get to do more, but I'll have to receive more. That's for sure. Yes. I love that. All right. So to steer us back to the topic as well. Yes. You know, you know, besides being aware that the world does devalue, mm-hmm. you know, our all of our experience and all of our life skills and all of the things we've gained that aren't in that typical expert box. Mm-hmm. How else can we navigate that or explore that, especially when sometimes when we realize that the world devalues it, it's easy to fall into that too, right? It's easy to be like, see, the world devalues it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, I can't value it either. Like, what are some ways we can tackle that kind of thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So part of that is the world devalues it. So it's missing, Mm. missing, right? Yeah. It doesn't, the world, it's not like the world doesn't know. (laughs) Right. Yes. There's this, um, something that I remind myself of a lot is that the world is always changing actually, right? The world is not static. So, um, you know, I could be an expert, um, bank teller. I could be the best, fastest bank teller in a world where ATMs are more and more and more and more prevalent. The world is going to continue to change around me right? So when we are bringing our expertise to a situation, even if the world doesn't value it, I'm betting that (laughs) the world either needs to change in a way that it's valuable, like that the change needs to happen, or when we bring the, when we bring the, the expertise to the table, the world will change to value it. I love that. I love that reframe because I feel like so often we're looking out to the world to give us information, but the world is behind in a way, right? Like, you know, whereas when we think about that, we are bringing the expertise to change the world. That is such a powerful reframe you know, and, and, you know, I was always uncomfortable in my, you know, decades of being in business of, of calling myself an expert because I always felt like I'm always learning. The market's always changing. I'm always changing. I'm evolving. You know, at what point do I start being an expert? And then like, it's a static place. I'm just an expert, right? Like, it's a, And then things change. And I'm like, am I still an expert? Like, there's always like questioning. I've always resisted that title, right? That, that feeling felt pressured at times to have to use it, Mm -hmm. but always resisted it. Mm -hmm. And, and what I've always kind of felt, and I've seen this a lot with my clients as well. And with the people that I've just seen in the business world and women in particular, is that oftentimes we have these radical ideas. We have these, 
you know, radical insights and wisdom that isn't the expertise out in the world, right? But it is the expertise the world needs. And yet we hide it, we shield it, we stop it, we, you know, tamp it down. Mm-hmm. And I just think, what if, what if everybody really stood up and brought that expertise to the world? Like, what would that do to the world? How would that shift things? How would that change things if we were all bold enough to do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I think something essential to, to kind of unpack here is the assumption that an expert knows the answer or there could only be one expert, right? Um, I, you know, it's I was just thinking about it. There's a phrase, experts agree, implying that experts <laughs> could disagree, right? Like yeah. we, could have, we could have different takes on a certain issue or a certain yeah. problem. Right. So I think maybe that is one piece is to sort of say, well, just because they are an expert doesn't mean that I'm not an expert just because they they're an expert and they say X, Y, Z doesn't mean that I can't be an expert who says ABC. Right. We can both be experts. We both have experience and we both have tried. Right. That root again. We both have tried things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing I wanted to pick up on was that, that thread about evolving, right? And um, I love that idea that expertise isn't static and, and, and almost it can't be static. Like I was just thinking of like, you know, uh, a vaccine expert. That just changed dramatically this year, right? To your expertise in vaccines, there's like this whole new field category. There's this whole new kind of realm because of how we were able to create a, a vaccine for the pandemic, right? Yeah. And distribute it. So yeah, I love, I love that idea too. Like A, experts can disagree or there can be more than one expert bringing more than one perspective. And then B, that expertise is necessarily something that evolves. Yes, I love that. And, you know, it makes me think of sometimes like, this is some kind of the way that I also see thought leadership, right? That oftentimes the people who claim they're experts, they've made a box, They've labeled it, you know, here, I'm an expert. They've put themselves in a box as well. So they don't evolve. They don't like, they're like the echelon of experts until something changes. And then they're not an expert, but they'll take another course or they'll do something to become an expert. So you kind of have that same with like thought leadership. Like there's this idea that when you call yourself a thought leader, right? You don't actually have all that leadership behind you sometimes, right? Like the true thought leaders or the true experts are usually the ones that aren't even labeling themselves that way. They're just out doing their work, right? They're just out getting things done and changing the world. They're not stopping to be like, okay, I'm letting you know now I am an expert. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's not about them, right? Right. 
It's like, exactly. if you're always talking about you and your credentials, <laughs> and you're not talking about what you purportedly have expertise in, hmm, yes. who, are you, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> yes. It's funny. Cause I just redid my sales and marketing training for my clients. And I was, you know, when I teach about sales calls, right, everyone gets so stressed and worried and, you know, sales, it's all oh, sales, sales, I got to prove my worth. I got to, you know, tell everybody how great I am. I have to like give them testimonies. I have to make them understand that I'm there. And the way that I teach sales calls is it's actually all about them. Like you should have no attention on yourself. Like you maybe talk about yourself five minutes at the very end of the call. That's it. Nothing is about that, about you. It's all about them. Yeah. And when you have your attention on them, when you're holding them, when you're caring for them, when you actually are deep listening with them, like that's actually what has them trust you. Mm-hmm. Not that you've proven And, you know, by talking about yourself, what an expert you are. And it's a real like mindset change from what a lot of people think sales is. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's like, you know, (laughs) really, you just have to believe in them, right? Believe in them, believe in them. It's, it's not about you actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that is so that's so astute. And, you know, it does come back around again and again to like, what is actually expertise? It's what we decide it is. Yeah. It's what we decide it is. Yeah. Love that. And I think that if, you know, I, I don't know about you, I'm sure this is true for you as well, but I meet so many amazing people, right. Who, who have these amazing gifts who have all this rich wisdom, who have all this experience and expertise. And because it doesn't fit into some box in their industry, or because it doesn't fit into some box that they see the experts telling them they should have, mm-hmm. they, they deny it, right? They diminish it. They don't step into it. And I just think, you know, I'm always like, the world needs you. <laughs> forget, forget all that. The world needs right this right here, what you know, right now, the way you care, the way you feel the experience you've had, the world needs it right now. But they get, you know, hesitant, are worried, are scared, mm-hmm. and don't take that step out into the world. That would really shift things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, um, I didn't know this actually, but did you know that um, the idea of like imposter syndrome, that, that idea of like, you know, I can't, I can't sort of, I don't really belong here or my contribution, my contract, I can't bring my contribution because, because I'm not worthy or I don't really belong. It came from a study in the seventies of high achieving women high achieving white women. Right. Mm -hmm. And almost always it does apply to people who are members of different kinds of groups that are systemically disempowered. Right. Yeah. Systemically disempowered. And so it's sort of like, yeah, who has created all of the boxes to be checked? Not us. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. 
Well, as, as, as white women, yes, our culture has definitely created some of the boxes to be checked, but right. But it's like, but just because those have been the boxes to check, doesn't mean those have to be the boxes to check going forward. Right. Doesn't like, just because the only positions available right now look this kind of way, doesn't mean that they have to look that kind of way. Right. We get to evolve it contribution by contribution. We are co creating this thing. We're all making it together. And so, yes, we're making it with the kind of pressures of a culture that doesn't necessarily value aspects of our experiences, right? Yes. And at the same time, that doesn't have, that's not the way it has to be. That's right. We can make it different. And so, you know, part of it is what's so interesting for me is that when I work with clients who are wanting to, but afraid, they want to make a bold move, they want to create something, but they're afraid to, I love to remind them, like, listen, this isn't just for you. This is for all of us. This is for all of us. When you carve out that space, you are carving out the space for all of us. And I do think there's actually something really um, freeing or empowering about remembering that, right? When I declare, you know what? My project management experience as a mother of three is really important. It's not just, I'm not just saying that for me. I'm saying that for all of the mothers of three yes. out yes. there, right? Yeah. I can, I, I can just... You know, it's like, I can feel the emotion mm-hmm. in that, right? Like for so many years, I feel like I have had this understanding of a different way to operate business, mm-hmm. but it's been devalued, right? It's been um, like not aligned with, not held up as reasonable. It's totally the opposite of what so many people have taught. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially like, 15 years ago or 10 years ago, right? Some of the ideas I had were really radical. And I remember feeling, you know, so trampled on in a way, right? So devalued, right? Like, like nothing that I, I have to contribute is of value. And when I started to really remember that all this work I'm doing, that everything that I'm creating, that all the steps that I'm taking isn't about me. Mm-hmm. It's about the change that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. That switched on my life's work, right? That switched on that part of me that is like, until the day I die, this is what I'm working towards. <laughs> whatever, whatever shifts and changes, I don't know. But like, this is what I'm doing with my last breath. <laughs> I, I love that. And, you know, it's not for nothing that a lot of the oppressive systems that we have rely on this idea of individualism right? Superstar individual who comes in and changes the world, Alexander Hamilton, right? Like, like, like that's what we want to, but you know, in many ways, that's what we want to believe in reality. Of course, no, we're all in this together. We are all in this together. And each individual person is a vital piece of that puzzle, right? It's like, I love to think of it that way that like, okay, you know what? I am different from other people. My background is different. My approach is different. What I believe is different. How I can help is different, but I'm a piece of the puzzle and I can't be other than who I am. I have to be who I am, right? When you think about a puzzle piece, there's only one that's that shape, 
those colors that goes in that one spot. And if you don't have that, this happens to me a lot because my dog, Kevin eats puzzle pieces. <laughs> so I love to make jigsaw puzzles. Um, and uh, my dog, Kevin will eat a piece if he has the opportunity. If you get to the end of a 999, <laughs> you know, a, a thousand piece puzzle, and there's one missing 999 are in place and one is missing the entire puzzle is in that one piece and there's no substitute for it. And that's you listener. That's you. You are the one piece and you have to be who you are. You have to bring what you bring, your contours, your experience, your perspective, your values. Cause if we don't have you, then what puzzles incomplete, the whole puzzle is in you. I love that. I just, I, I think that's actually the perfect place to wrap up. Yeah. That's such an important piece. And I really hope that everyone really let that land. Maybe rewind and listen to Natalie say that again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I think when that lands, it shifts how we view ourselves. Mm-hmm. It reminds us that, you know, it's this, it's this fascinating contradiction. We've got to be true to who we are, to our experience, to our perspective, our talents, our values in order to serve the whole, Yeah, the whole community, the whole human evolution. You know, and, and really like that is what we're expert in, right? We're expert in being ourselves. Yes. Like that is the expertise that we all need to bring to the world. 100%. Thank you so much for being here, Natalie. It's just been an honor to chat with you and have you on my podcast. Would you share with everyone where they can find you? Share with them your amazing podcast, which they'll definitely want to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, um, I lean all the way into my woo vibes um, on my podcast. I have a podcast called Mind Witchery. I offer different kinds of self-coaching questions that can help you to look at things differently depending on the situation that you're in. Um, I also have a Sunday letter. So every Sunday morning, I send a little love note, a little bit of inspiration and perspective to my people. And you can find all of that at nataliekmiller.com. That's my website. Okay, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for joining us. And I will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. But before you go, did you enjoy the show? We love busting myths, but what I am even more passionate about is changing the way you perceive yourself. In other words, seeing your greatness and helping you weave that greatness into every fabric of your business. I'm so passionate about this that I've taken all of my wisdom, all of my experience, and all of my love and put it into an affordable monthly program called Worthy Women Collective. You get my best training group coaching, group support, integration, practice, and transformation all in one subscription program. It's the best business group out there. Okay, I'm a little biased, but check it out for yourself. Just visit worthywomencollective.com. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.